This is episode four with Matthew Pound, founder of Perth's Many Varsity Bars and the man behind some of the city's most successful events and pop-up venues. Welcome to the Wild Ones with Cam Miller podcast. I'm your host, Cam Miller, and I'm a coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and founder of what has twice been the UK Babywear brand of the year. For the last few years, I've been supporting people around the globe to reconnect with the wild innate strength within themselves so that they can rapidly realize their goals and build incredible lives. The purpose of the Wild Ones podcast is to connect those creating wild, free, incredible lives and to share the knowledge, tools and skills we need to spend more of our time doing the things we love with the people we love when we like. If you're inspired by this podcast episode, subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com where you can check out and sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. It works hand in hand with the podcast to provide you with a steady stream of motivation, knowledge and practices to fuel and guide your own wild, free, incredible journey through life. In this episode, I'm interviewing Matthew Pound. Matt is a childhood friend of mine who decided during high school that investing in his social skills and network would be the keys to his success. After spending time working in and promoting bars and nightclubs in Australia and London and collaborating with me on some early hobby social events, Matt got into the event business properly, creating some wildly successful events and pop-up bars before co-founding the first in what is now a large chain of varsity bars across Perth. If you want to learn how to use your intuition to guide you to success in your career, if you want to learn how to get started in business, and if you want to learn how to scale up a business empire, then this episode is for you. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Cool, mate. Uh, yeah, it's great to be here, mate. Thank you for in, uh, inviting me. And it's good to be, you know, I've heard about a couple of other people that have been involved and it's good to be a part of that group as well. So, yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Well, um, for everybody that doesn't know you, um, I just want to relate to the fact that we've known each other since, I think, primary school, right? Um, And so we're fortunate to be able to dive, you know, really far back into your journey. And and what I remember from high school days in particular, I remember you particularly good at sport, um, basketball, if I remember correctly. Was was that right? But also maybe athletics as well? Uh, yeah. Look, I, I came from Port uh, place, Port Hedland up north, a very small country town. So for me to come into Perth was um, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and, you know, I was, look, I was, I was the fastest in Port Hedland. I was the fastest kid in Port Hedland. And then I came <laughs> to Perth and all of a sudden I wasn't. There were so many other people that were so much better than me. So, look, it was a, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and, and, look, sport has always been a big part of my life. Um, I remember I, I, probably at school I wasn't the best at all academic sort of things. So, you know, sport was a very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed doing it. I wouldn't say I was the best or anything, but I just loved the aspect of it. So, Fantastic. And I, I remember, uh, well, I think in, in university, you first you started doing uh, was a Bachelor of Science and, and Sports. So that was obviously following, you know, I imagine, as you said, in your early childhood, and as you're growing up, sport was incredibly important to you and, and an enjoyable outlet for you. So I imagine that was a, a natural decision for you. Was it an easy decision to decide to do science with a sports focus going into university? Definitely easy. It was probably, I'm not going to say it was the only option I had, but it was probably, <laughs> it was probably the easiest option I had. Um, it's funny looking back on, on um, you know, how I felt at that stage. I, I, was, I'm, I was quite young compared, compared to a lot of the other kids that were at school. Yeah. Um, my birthday was in December, so, I, you know, I, gotcha. I was quite young when we finished. Um, and whether it was, whether... How do I put this? It's um, I, I felt like the decision on what I wanted to do was was I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
yeah. I didn't I didn't understand the process of university. I, I and and me being the eldest as well, gotcha. I just thought I had to go to university. Yeah. And I thought um, you know, doing TAFE or, or anything like that was sort of seen as a failure. Um, as I said, I wasn't that academic, but um, sport was the only thing I was good at. So that's the reason why I chose it. Um, if I could do it again and, you know, with all the, the insight and sort of knowledge yep. that I have now, I would probably probably go down the road of uh, a, like, uh, trade yeah yeah gotcha. so um and as i said look I, I i probably didn't do that well at university i you know i was uh, told to, to sort of take a holiday to um <laughs> uh in in that many words probably to to take a holiday because i wasn't doing that well uh probably wasn't for me but i i did take that holiday um and i i went back and finished so yeah that was yeah well it's it's interesting that you mentioned um that you know you were young and that was that was uh relative to your peers at school you were yeah. an oldest child with uh with your brothers as well but you were young relative to the other people at school and obviously when when people are very young that age difference of a year is is quite a quite a big deal and it, it ties to something that I wanted to dive into is that I remember at school that you were you know you're relatively quiet and I would yeah. say you hadn't yet come in to I would say the social power which um, kind of characterized university years and then your career uh, to date so could you talk through maybe what was the kind of inflection point? Because I know soon was it after starting university, doing the sort of sports science, um, you also got into bar and club uh, promotion at that time. And I think, I think from just an outside perspective, um, you know, you developed a strong social uh, uh, circle and network. And I, I guess you probably found that you had some skills and talents in that area that you maybe hadn't really uncovered uh, up until that point. So could you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, sorry, up until I was about year 10, I was, I was super quiet, didn't talk to anyone. I, I mean, I did, it's not that I didn't talk to anyone. I just had a, a smaller group of friends. Um, I didn't rock the boat with anyone. I was very, um, sort of anti-bullying or, or um, I didn't, I wasn't part of a sort of a, a loud group of friends or, yeah. or crew. Um, and I think it was, um, there were a couple of, you, you go through those, those changes in life and there was a spe very specific time where I remember that I said to myself, you've got to do something here. You've got to, you've got, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to progress, you've got to put yourself out there. So there was, you know, uh, things like uh, becoming head boy of the, um, my house Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and putting myself in those situations, um, standing in front of the school and, and sort of making a speech or talking, gotcha. um, uh, you know, getting invited to parties or talking to people. Yep. Um, it was, a, it was a genuine, like a, a genuine effort to put myself into those situations. Gotcha. Uh, and it sort of grew from there. Um, and yeah, you know, going into um, after leaving school at university um, and going into that line of work that I went into, it was, very much a natural progression. It was natural for me to be in, in environments where I was, um, you know, able to talk to a large group of people. Or, yeah. um, but I, I'd say these days I'm very much. Um, I don't know. It, it takes a lot of energy to do that these days. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer to be in a smaller environment with some people that I know. Um, yeah, I don't know whether it changed me being in that environment, um, but uh, yeah, these days I'm a little bit different. <laughs> 
So full full circle evolution. What what was the uh, what actually got you into promotion activities in the first place? Was it some happen chance that you ended up sort of promoting bars and clubs in those sort of university years, or did you actually pursue an opportunity in that area? No, not really. It just sort of happened. Um, I I just I, I enjoyed that lifestyle. I enjoyed being out i enjoyed um being social um i I, it's not so much i enjoyed i I didn't like being the center of attention um but it like how do i put this it's um it just felt natural for me it was just something that just came very naturally um sometimes it would be a drain but yeah. it was the it was sort of the only way that I knew how to be. Gotcha. So sort of following uh, your enjoyment, um, your intrinsic drivers, your sort of intuition into yeah. into a field that just felt right, felt felt very natural for you. Even though that was a bit, in some respects, divergent from the more maybe rational path you've gone on in yeah. terms of. Uh, I've got to do it. I've got to do a bachelor's degree because that's important. I'm an oldest child. I'm not sure what I should do, so I should just get a qualification. And yep. obviously, you know, in doing that, you found that one, you weren't necessarily really focused on academics anyway, but that you also just didn't have a a driving motivation for that for that qualification there wasn't a clear path forward for you um with that and i know you spoke to it uh a holiday but you know other people call it gap year or something like that you you spent quite a bit of time in um in london because i remember i think it was around was it 2005 uh that you were you managing a bar working a bar in in london was that a transformative uh experience for you generally I, I think that the whole time in London was a transformative time. Um, it was, you know, it's the first time you're sort of free <clears throat> to make your own decisions. Yeah. Um, before that, I was in the States as well. I did a summer camp, which was really oh, wow. um, um, a good time. It was um, such a cool time. I was at um, uh, uh, Georgia. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the place. Um, Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge Camp. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so my brother and I, we spent some time in Sydney. I just uh, wasn't long that I had broken up with Asia, actually, my wife now. Um, we'd been together for three years and we'd broken up. Um, and I was sort of lost. I felt very lost. Um, and my brother had had gone to a summer camp in New York, and he was on his way. He was on his way back, and he and he, as soon as he came back, um, it was funny actually because we didn't really have a good relationship before he left. Yeah. Um, but when he left, our relationship grew a lot, uh, and when he came back, it was like a different person. He was like my he was like my best mate. So he said, "I'm I'm going back to Sydney." I'm going to live in Sydney. So I took the opportunity then to, to join him. Um, And it was, uh, look, I, I I sort of justified it to myself and said, Oh yeah, I've got to get out of Perth and I've got to save some money for my trip to America. And I did, it just did not help with saving at all. (laughs) Well, I can imagine being in a new city with all of these. Yeah, look, we we had we had to find jobs. Uh, it just it was probably uh, like in hindsight, it's probably the worst decision I could have made to save money for for my world trip. Um, but yeah, we went and lived in uh, Sydney for three months, and that was fantastic. That was so cool. We lived with some Canadians. Uh, we we did the uh, the Passover with yep. our Jewish Canadians, so I got to learn a lot about the Jewish religion. Did the Passover, and and it was good because I went to a Jewish camp as well. So fantastic! Um, so there's yeah. some uh, continuity uh, there between between the journey, really. Yeah, it was cool actually, and it's uh, you know I, I think back now and there's like little snippets that I remember and looking back through photos and everything, but. Uh, yeah, going into uh, the pub in London. Um, yeah, uh, yeah it, the the pub. I, I guess it was interesting to work in there, but I think the whole experience of living in London was was just so eye opening and, and fun. 
Yeah, well, I, I spent a lot of time in London as well, and you know, fun is fun is a great way to describe it. Just so many opportunities there, um, such an eclectic mix of people. You know, so many people from different countries there that a lot of people are pulled out of their existing networks, their existing value systems. So they've got to be a little bit more open to, you know, the things they experience, the type of people they hang around with. So I found it an incredibly transformative time as well. And around this time as well, so I think you, know, you went over sort of 2005, etc. you were over in London, but also around that time, I think before and maybe when you came back, I had finished university and I was just starting out in engineering and uh, I was enjoying engineering, but I think the same as you, it was kind of the rational, logical path for me, but it wasn't necessarily following my enjoyment and my intuition at that stage. And where that was actually was in doing uh, some events, just a couple of key events, um, social events throughout the year. Um, And we did uh, a raft up together, which is where you basically um, hire a big boat in the rear We do it every year. It's around uh, Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah, did um, we have two boats year. or one boat? We had one boat? I think we start off with one. And I remember yeah. Um, the, yeah, so it was, uh, it's a little bit, for me, it was actually quite an interesting time because it was probably one of the earliest signs for me that I was probably an entrepreneur at heart. Because yeah. I remember that there was this big boat, I think it was called the Lionfish 5 or something like That's that. That's it, yeah, big, yeah, yeah. Big double-decker boat. And uh, one of the bars in Perth had that boat for that booking. Uh, they'd had yeah. it every year and they were doing these parties. But I remember about three months out, I just started calling the boat owner. I said, we want the boat, we want the boat. And they're like, no, these other guys have got it. These other guys have got it. And I was like, I'll pay now, I'll pay now, I'll pay now. And they just said, no and no and no. But eventually one day, I think I got a call back or something. They said, look, the other guys are really stuffing us around. They're not paying the money for the booking. So if you want the boat and you're happy to pay now, it's yours. So, yeah. so we did. And then, you know, I remember at this time that I was, I was quite entrepreneurial minded, but I didn't have a big, you know, social circle. Um, I wasn't all that well connected with everybody. Um, and so it was, I think, important for me to, you know, involve the right people, people like yourself um, in that, other friends as well. And together we kind of put on a really big show and we did that We did that for a few years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we did it for a couple of years. It was uh, Boxing Day. Christmas was always interesting when Boxing Day was such a big day like that. So, um, yeah, I think we did that and we did a uh, Australia Day party as well. Yeah, it was at the, uh, there's a place in uh, Perth called um, Point Walter. Point Walter. And Australia Day is one of the biggest, uh, biggest days where they put the fireworks on and everything. And I, I remember that we used to go to the foreshore in front of the city to watch the fireworks, but it was always, it often uh, descend after people start drinking early in the day, often descend into sort of violence and, <laughs> you know, just a, a total mess really on the foreshore uh, by the time the, uh, the lights went down. So we wanted to do, a bit of a different event. Again, it was similar where um, I did a birthday at this event. It was this big um, state-run uh, campsite on the hill in uh, natural That's surrounds, right. lo- overlooking the city from a distance, etc. Um, had a birthday there and then uh, sort of proved that we weren't uh, bad people to the um, to the uh, <laughs> guy that ran it. And then he said, yeah, okay, you can, you can have this Australia Day event there. And it was interesting because I think, you know, you were basically one of the key driving forces um, around the event. Um, but also there were, we involved some other friends, Jesse Wilson and Nick Spencer, who have also yeah. gone on to be um, very successful in the was it hospitality event bar. Um, yeah, pop-up, definitely. Pop-up space as well. Yeah. And I, look, I, I, Jesse was my best man. I was his best man. Um, and you know we've sort of gone on to to do other events in embargo um, <clears throat> and I was always in awe of his his ability to <clears throat> um, be organized because yep. I'm definitely not an organized person <laughs> I'm, I'm very much I'm very much about uh, sort of the the social aspect yeah um, but behind like for him to be able to be organized and Nick as well uh, and yourself I you know I sort of I sort of uh, was just the the loud foghorn that told everyone that was on, <laughs> um, and and sort of you know you guys sort of did the the organising behind the scenes, the Excel spreadsheets, and paying the bills and that sort of stuff, which which I'm in awe. Like it's something that I always wanted to sort of build a strength of mine, be a little bit more organised, 
um, rather than just the party boy. Yeah. So it's um it's uh, no it was it was good to be able to sort of grow and develop from that. Yeah. And and Jesse and I and, and Nick have, have had a great relationship with business, so it's sort of grown from there. Yeah, so let's talk about, well, let's firstly, so 2007, you finished your degree, uh, Bachelor of Science. Um, we're doing some of these events, promotions, other things in the background, but you still decided, was it for a, a couple of years to move into banking, loans, etc.? Yeah, so I moved into banking. The drive the reason, behind it. Yeah, so that was just um, because I I'd had gone on a, a path of uh, party boy um, yeah. style um i i needed to sort of have that stability yeah um and <clears throat> i uh my dad had said that you know people in finance were, were doing quite well yeah um and so i saw it as an opportunity to sort of you know i enjoyed my lifestyle there but i knew it wasn't sustainable um, so I thought, okay, so if I'm going to, if I'm going to enjoy these, these things that I'm enjoying, I've got to sort of put something in place so that I can, I can come back and do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I packed up from London, um, and I went back to, um, went back to Perth yeah. and sort of and I went through, I was quite, it was quite depressing actually. Like it was, it was, ex, it was, it was exciting because I was, I was sort of, you know, making, I knew I was making the right decisions. Yeah. I knew I was, you know, getting some stability. So um, I did, did sort of get that stability uh, working yeah. in the bank, but some money I in the bank. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Sort of look, it, it, you know, I had to do, I had to do, I knew that I had to do the right thing. I knew that I had to study. I knew that I had to understand finance. Yep. But I was just, once again, my mind was just not there. Yeah. I was just, I was thinking about the end goal without putting the time into what needed to be done. Yeah. And, you know, on, on the outside, it, you know, I wore a suit and a tie and I looked like I was going in the right direction. But inside, I was just not going in the right direction. Yeah, it did you. offer me some stability. Um, I did work in the bank for a while. I did work there. And I remember having a conversation with my dad, sort of him saying, you need to, you know, get foundations and you need to have some savings behind you and yep. you need to have some skills. Uh, and I, look, I, I, I took that on board uh, and I did it. Um, but it just, it killed me. Like, <laughs> It killed me having to be in, in the office or sitting at the teller machine or whatever it was. Um, it just, I was, it, I guess that's when I realised I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So, but I, I also realised that it was important for me to do that um, uh, so I knew what I didn't want to do. Yeah, which is, is really, um, often it can be a kind of process of elimination that, you know, when we take ourselves outside our comfort zone, we go to new countries, etc. We experience new values, or we experience new <coughs> careers, etc. Um, it not only tells us what we do like, but it also tells us uh, what we don't like, which I guess is equally informative about who Very we nice are. Thing. And so that, for you, I guess made it really clear the sort of paths that weren't for you. And then around this yeah. time, was it? You made the decision is it to go into business for yourself with pound promotion and events was it yeah so i think it was my my dad's birthday that i set up i think it was about 12 years ago that i set up the business um and when i think about it like i didn't know what i was doing i but <laughs> i i i sort of i wanted to to make it formalized i yep. wanted to sort of i wanted to sort of make it a career i wanted yep. to sort of go down that path and i i was very um like i sort of sought out the people to to do a meal website i worked out how to start a business or yep. you know get my abn and and do all that sort of stuff that i like off i can do with my eyes closed now yeah but back then it was like it was a hard slog trying to work out how to do this um and you know those valuable lessons were, were were good. Ended up being great. The great, um, as you said, great, a great training for you. Often with entrepreneurship, it's so diverse. You've got to learn so many things: marketing, 
branding, accounting, finance, etc. Um, but it's a very practical knowledge of these things, as you said. It's how do you get a website live? How do you get you know an Australian business number if you happen to be yeah. in Australia? Um, that it's very practical. You just got to actually get on the phone and just organize all of these things. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you know, as you identified early on, this was a missing skill set for you. But with the right motivation, it sounds like once you had kind of really committed to a career path and you knew also that it was a career path based on your past experience that aligned with your intrinsic drivers around, uh, you know, social context, people, connection, community, events, um, excitement, all of these sort of things. So I think then once you align those intrinsic drivers with this path, it was like, yeah, there's these things on this path that I don't know how to do. But hey, you know, I can if I if I invest the time and I just work my way through these things, um, you know, I can and will learn them and they will result in, you know, the eventual success that you have uh, experienced, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, very much so. And it wasn't until, you know, people asked me, uh, you know, how do I do this? And I was yep. able to go, this, 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 and then it's like I was, you know, within one month they were able to do you know get themselves into a position where they could be in in a in a position where they could develop their business yeah and it's when you do that and when you when when you teach someone else or help someone else it's when you can sit back and say shit i've i've yeah. learned a lot i know i i know how to do this and yeah um, absolutely so i and, and yeah when you do when you do teach other people when you help other people it it does sort of help you <clears throat> get perspective of how exactly how far you've come and what yeah. you've learned absolutely and so what was the first big thing that pound events and promotions did in terms of you know events uh etc i think it was the um I think it was the the raft up parties. Yeah, uh, I sort of continued on on doing that. You you had gone, had gone away and and done gone on to your travels as well. You were still yep. in London. Yeah. So I sort of came back and and continued that, and we ended up getting, um, uh, we ended up getting up to five boats. Yeah. Wow. Five <laughs> boats together. We had over four hundred people on these boats. And, Amazing. Um, the organisation and the cutting watermelons and the um, getting the alcohol and the, getting the DJs and connect, working out how to connect all the speakers to the boat, um, you know, communicating with, um, you know, customers and getting, getting them excited. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess I'm always, I'm not a, a big self-promoter. I sort yep. of, uh, although the, the, the business name would say different, <laughs> Um, I, I'm always I'm quite a, a quiet person. I don't like to boast or, or blow my own horn or anything yep. like that. So um, when when it did get gain its success and, and and the people sort of wanted to get tickets, I, I, I sort of it was a shock to me. Yeah. Um, and it was it was it was hard to deal with that because I I always thought you know at a moment's notice, you know, it, I guess there was a bit of imposter syndrome and. Yep. And that sort of thing. Um, so it was, um, yeah, with, with Pound Events, it was, um, for me, it, <clears throat> it, was, it was fun. I enjoyed doing what I was doing. What I, was doing. Um, I, I always wanted to get a little bit more organised in, in the back end with yeah. my accounting. And obviously, you know, being quite young and, and being involved in those sort of events, um, there were aspects where you probably party a little bit too hard, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, not not be able to get back to work for another three days. And look, I, I could have made those I could have made those decisions to to not do anything for three days. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. That's um, right. And and I did make those decisions, unfortunately. So. Yeah, and I guess it's you know it's taking something that you know early on. It was a bit of play. I think from the early events, you know, we, we didn't make more money than we could spend in a weekend kind of thing. But then turning... I tried. Yeah. <laughs> turning, uh, you know, just I guess our, uh, our lack of business 
uh, acumen to begin with, but then, you know, really what you did with Power and Events, it's like it's taking it to the next level, isn't it, in terms of uh, the way that you organize things, keeping costs low, keeping revenues high. It really starts at that point to become become a business and a great, you know, it's great to be able to train in an area one where you have some experience too, in an area which is a bit of fun, but you know, along the way you're picking up um, very valuable business um, experiences. And just, I want to touch on something you mentioned along the way around self-promotion, because I know it's something that um, I've come to grips with and a lot of people that I coach, it's something that I kind of, we work through as well that most people um, aren't keen on a high level of self-promotion. There are some yeah. people that are. It's kind of ego-driven and they love it and <laughs> they, yeah. they get off on it and, that, and that's all good. But most people, most people aren't. Um, but I think that's really it. It's, it's around the motivation of why you do it. At some point, you know, if you realize you're helping people or you realize you're providing them an incredibly important service and, you know, you're the... You're the person behind the delivery of that service. You realize that if people don't know who you are, if they can't learn to know, like, and trust you, then they're not going to be able to benefit from those services. They're not going to be able to attend your events. They're not going to be able to attend your venues. They might go to a substandard one instead of yours. And with me, you know, they won't necessarily benefit from my uh, coaching, etc. So it becomes incredibly important at some point, particularly if you go out on business on your own, that you learn to get comfortable with a level of self-promotion and that you do so from the right, the right, you know, heart-driven place, service-driven place, which particularly in social media now, people are, people are accepting far less that other type of promotion um, and it's becoming much more about a service, um, heartfelt approach. To, would, would you agree? Yeah, very much so. I mean, no one else is going to self-promote you as as much as you can you know <clears throat> so if you don't do it then no one else is going to do it yeah. uh and that's uh you know I've, I've been sort of pushing pushing against that my own thoughts uh, but you know i same as the, the sort of period or same as the sort of um um point that I told you about back in year 10 for me where I yeah. said if I don't do this then it's not going to happen so it's it's making that that um, conscious decision conscious choice yeah to um to sort of have a little bit more of an open discussion with yourself about how you're feeling yeah. about that process um and it, it's working I mean it's you know doing things like this with you it's yeah. it's it's you know you're getting yourself out there people you, even if it's one or two people who enjoy your story, that's yep. that's that's still building. So exactly, um, and so with pound events and promotions, then you did you started off with the raft ups. What was the next evolution of of that business I for think, you? So Jesse and I uh, and Nick as well, we were we were doing some events, um, and I uh, I sort of. I guess it's where at that point I I went down the road of, of club promotion. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's I sort of saw it as a more a not a career, but like sort of a, a way to generate more income. Yeah. Because it's weekly. Uh, it's not a it's not a matter of like doing two or three events a year. Yeah. That they they you so reliant on weather. Um, yeah. So reliant on so many other aspects. Um, so I saw the club promotion, uh, you know, and I was always involved in hospitality. I remember, you know, go, working in hospitality all my life and people asking me, you know, what or what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, yep. uh, and I said, I enjoy this. Yeah. I enjoy hospitality. <laughs> <I'm doing it. laughs> you know, you go to Italy or you go to Europe and it's a, it's a career path, you know. Yep. People, that service industry and that hospitality industry is is a, a definite career path so yeah, um i always saw it much interesting on 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 the other side of the bar than than the mm. the, the um the pouring side of the bar yeah so i thought shit how do i make a career out of this so i sort of started i, I approached some different venues i, I approached Kappa in um in claremont yeah uh, and they had experienced some good Thursday nights in the past, and they yep. were 
they had gone down and I approached the owner and I said, look, you, would you be interested in, in paying me to, to sort of take it back up there again? Yeah. Um, and it, that was another lesson for me as well, because at that stage, a lot of hospitality owners, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of choice in Perth. Yeah. Um, but in saying that there were, there was a lot more choice, um, that was, that was opening up to people. There was yep. a lot more, a lot more venues that were opening up. So, you know, uh, once upon a time there was, you know, there was a handful of hospitality yeah. people in Perth and they held on to their licenses yep. and they would not let anyone else in. And yeah. then it's, and then it started, um, uh, you know, they started letting it go a little bit. They they had a little, a couple more licenses, and then that's when they started to see the cracks of people who yeah who weren't doing that well, and that's where my sort of my role or my business came in, where I could pick up where they were lacking, which yeah. was creating creating an atmosphere or um, creating a reason for for people to 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 come to their venue. Um, so I put together a, a sort of uh, uh, like a, a night for them on yep. a Thursday night, um, put the DJ on, did the promotion. I think social media was like Facebook was starting to sort of build by then. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's something that I sort of grabbed onto and started building up a, a, a database on there and using that to promote. Um, and it, it worked really well. Um, but well, the I other think- thing that I got is that they, um, the issue that I had was that he hardly ever paid me or he <laughs> avoid, he tried to avoid paying me. So yeah. um, that was another lesson that I learned. Yeah, gotcha. And it's, it's interesting, just as you're mentioning the Facebook, I think it was a bit of a, maybe a running joke from one of your brothers around, around your 5,000 uh, Facebook friends. But I think, you know, you were the first out of it, everybody I knew, particularly at that point in time, to have those sort of numbers on, on Facebook. So it probably, you know, as you said, I think you mentioned in and around what you did with Pound Events and Promotions, but, you know, you mentioned the power of social networks and it kind of might be diverging a little bit um, at the moment. But for me, Perth, you know, the bar hospitality, and this is learned this through some discussions with you really, um, that it used to be particularly about this venue, and it was on Monday night it was this venue, and Tuesday night it was that venue, and very we much so. It just stayed like that the whole the whole yeah. time. It wasn't really a stage on Wednesday or exactly. Um, but now it sounds like, if I'm correct, that there are, you know, like what you're doing at pounds, events, and promotions, but also the embargo. Um, but also there's these other sort of social networks that have popped up where it becomes more about this particular community that people have built online. And when they say, you know, in two weeks time, we're having an event on in this venue, that's where everybody goes. And, you know, these, yeah. these groups involve, it seems to me from the outside, <laughs> you know, a lot of the cool kids in different age groups, etc. that they realize they've got a lot of social power. And they're now actually using that relative to the venues. And, you know, it's a, it's a kind of win-win in terms of, you know, they make a little bit of money uh, or, or a lot actually if they're, if they're quite good and they're doing it like a business rather than yeah. uh, just, a, just a play thing. But then the venues also get these kind of guaranteed sort of big nights, big paydays as well. Is, is that sort of how it's changing a little bit? Um, yes, definitely. I, I think there was a, as I, as I said before, I think there was a sort of a lag. There were, there were people who were in hospitality and by default they – they because they they had the only hospitality venue within a certain area a yep. lot of people would just go there yeah. um, and then as more pl- places started opening up and it became more diverse um, they sort of they 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 were on the back foot in that they didn't have the ability to sort of um, the, or they lost they lost their clientele because they, they couldn't keep in touch with them yeah gotcha. um, so they sort of employed people or things that I did um, using social media uh, with with good connections or good networks to sort of bring those people in. Uh, I think good hospitality people these days, um, in order to, to be in hospitality, 
you you have to that has to be one of your skills yeah uh and from from the start you have to you have to be able to um, communicate with your customers. Yeah, the, the battle the battle kind of went from a, a real estate battle early on to to a, a network or a community or social battle that you had to win you know the hearts and minds of people online or wherever you could connect with them, and then that would really decide who the winners were going to be. Obviously, the venue is still very important. Um, yeah. But you know, you were competing not just on one area, but on multiple areas of which promotion and and social connection was was a big one that you that you um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, you know did very well basically. Yeah, capitalized. It yeah. was um, it was yeah, and it was it was uh, at one stage I think I had <clears throat> um, like four nightclubs that I was. Basically, it was my role to sort of strum up support. It was my role to to draw people to, towards that that yep. sort of venue, whether it be you know putting on a, an act or um, just I think just providing um, a, a connection to that yep. place. Um, and look, four nights in a row at a nightclub with with bar cards and that sort of stuff. It it did. It did really take its toll. So, yeah. for me, <laughs> it was just yeah. It was just you know. As some, we get it, older, <laughs> as you get older, it was just um, you know having to you know have a and look. You don't have to drink, but yeah. it was just it was just it was just always there. So yeah, um, it, it, it it had a, it played a role. Definitely. You don't have to drink, but um, you know, I think we've discussed it. But I took a. A year and a half off alcohol. Um, yeah. And, you know, I found that there were some improvements in terms of health and fitness, but um, there weren't there weren't a lot um, that I you know, had things kind of under control uh, anyway. But one of the biggest downsides I found was that I found that other people treated me a little bit differently uh, when I didn't drink. And there's this saying by um, Seth Godin, who's a famous uh, marketer, I think you know, but um, People, people like us do things like this, and he says that that underpins just about every aspect um, of marketing. People like us go to places like this. People like us yeah. go to events or acts like this. And people like us, when we're out and about, we have a drink. And the thing is that you often don't see this happening, but underneath, subconsciously, if somebody's not doing what you're doing, if they're not like us, if they're doing something different, there's these little, um, you know, centers in the mind that, you know, are fearful. Or what, what is this person doing? Maybe I can't trust them. And that's why you have these yeah. things like, you know, you can't trust a person that doesn't drink and that. So yeah. now I drink quite moderately, but I've found, you know, really nice balance for me between now I get, you know, I have a little drink, doesn't impact me negatively in any other areas, uh, but it actually enables me to connect with others socially better uh, than I would, than I found through experience, than I would with absolute zero, and that's that's yeah. just a personal um, experience. It wouldn't necessarily be the same for everybody else, but I also do know the temptation of, at the moment, I'm only drinking sort of once or twice a week, but if yeah. I was in those sort of environments more times per week, then habit building, all of this sort of stuff, starts to happen, and it becomes yeah. very hard to extricate yourself from. I guess a process of drinking a little bit more here and there uh, over time. And yeah, I guess, you know, four nights a week having to go out um, and, yeah, and be, in my, be in my <laughs> workplace and then you can't really get any work done during the day. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, it, it really affects you being able to be organized. And then, gotcha. and then I put more focus on the, the fact that I needed to be at these places to create a connection with with my, my I guess clients or yep. uh, people that I was sort of you know people sort of sought out me to sort of um, to to help on their on their nights off sort yep. of thing um, yeah, and you know, I put too much emphasis on that rather than the and I use it as a, an excuse I guess to yep. um, to sort of explain why the business wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to. Gotcha. And so was there a pivot at some point to pop-ups and or venues? 
yeah definitely it was probably what i was talking about i i, I uh, met up with my now current business partner fabian yeah um and he sort of handed his card to me when he was working at a nightclub in perth and he said you know kid you know i'd love to catch up and i'd love to see how it all works and everything yeah. so he gave me his cool. his card and he had you know the fact that he had a business card um you know and and the fact that he had studied business and yeah and, and that sort of stuff i sort of saw saw that as an opportunity to to learn from him so yeah, cool. yeah he uh he sort of and and it was hard because when he came into the business, he he was like putting it very structured, and and I was like, it was very overwhelming. Yep. <laughs> um, so, but um, and and we did some things together, uh, and it was it, it was very organised. So yeah. I really appreciated that. Um, but I, I was very vocal to him and that I didn't want to be the monkey in the corner anymore, anymore. Yep. you know, just like making sure that everyone was enjoying themselves. So it's, um, it, it sort of resulted in us, um, in, in me wanting to sort of have my own venue as well yeah, uh, and too. to be able to focus on that um, and perhaps employ someone else to, uh, to do that sort of role. So um but and that, i guess that's where um varsity came along cool so yeah tell us introduce everybody to um varsity and what the what the concept is and how it came about um yeah so i've, I've got two business partners one i just mentioned before fabian yeah. um and uh ben ma who his his dad um uh, bob ma was very prominent in the uh nightclub and, and uh venue scene back in the day uh, and Ben was lucky enough to be able to learn a lot of him. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'd heard of him and, um, I, I love still catching up with Bob and talking about some of his stories. Yeah, you know, cool. we share a birthday together. So, um, if, you know, we've been a lot. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Um, and, uh, ben had the the now what is Varsity Netherlands at that stage. Yeah. Um, a, a year prior to that, I was working in that that venue. It was called Basement on Broadway. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and another story, but I was um, uh, there was the, the murder case that uh, happened. Yeah. Um, in that venue, so I um, I was in, involved in in that whole process and. Went away, worked with Fab, and um, you know, put together the business that we wanted to create, which was front of house, which was a yep. sort of a management um, uh, company that that focused on on increasing the uh, exposure for a venue uh, yep. and those processes. Uh, we pitched to to Ben, uh, and he showed us he showed us what is now Varsity Netherlands. Yeah, got you. Um, and so it was, um, you know, we all went through and we all developed the, the given that we were next to a university, we wanted to come up with a, a product that was appealing to university students. Yep. And um, the whole, um, the whole American college, um, you know, um, uh, yeah, American college theme, frat house, is yep. something that we've we've all very much grown up Beers, with. So burgers, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's, it's such a, a culture. It's such a cultural thing yeah, that we've sport all very much as well. Yeah, we've all grown up with, and, and subconsciously, you know, we've you know in watching the movies that we've watched, and we know how it works. We know how it looks, and it's it's a, it's an image or or a thought or a. Um, uh, a, a feeling or you know everyone everyone knows what the the college dorm sort of vibe yeah. is but they they haven't lived it so yeah, we wanted to playful, replace that kind of carefree it's sport it's fun it's all this yeah it's a very um kind of a happy environment i would say exactly so we wanted to we, we saw that as an opportunity to replicate that or appeal to customers based on that so gotcha and how um you know obviously it's big investment kind of high risk investing in a new venue how long did it take for you guys to realize that hey maybe you're really onto something here with that with that first venue 
Um, it was it was probably look we had a lot of fun and I was learning so much, um, but it was. Uh, I think it's when you look at the 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 sort of image or the the brand that it is, it's endless with what you can how you can promote it and how you can get it out there. So it's not just a matter of appealing to people in that. <clears throat> in that general area around Netherlands. Yeah. Um, we, we wanted to sort of develop it and sort of appeal to a large audience or yeah. um, um, so a destination kind of. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's so much that you can, you can use within that sort of narrative or that sort of um, concept or idea. So I guess, we didn't want to restrict ourselves to just one venue. Yeah, so uh, in building the brand, um, we allowed ourselves to sort of develop and, and grow to different areas and, and appeal to different markets. Gotcha. And so that was the, the first location. I think it was the second uh, North Bridge near the city here in Perth, yeah. uh, WA. Um, and how many how many venues do you have now? And how how long has it taken you to build out? Was the first one was it two thousand and thirteen? The first two thousand thirteen we started. Um, that was Netherlands, uh, and then it was about one a year from there. So um, Northbridge, then it was uh, Waterford, then Morley, then Joondalup, um, and then. Um, uh, Fremantle, was it? The, Fremantle, the, the, yeah. The, the, the new one? Um, That's a new one, yeah. So we're just in, it's in a pop-up stage at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, and we're, we're about to, to build around the corner. Yeah, I like it. And one, one thing that I find interesting with the venues is that, um, you know, often we go in there for sports, right? And the power, power of that seems to be that, you know, um, if you've got a sports game on at 10 a.m. in the morning and it's a big yeah. one and, you know, that could be an American game, it could be, could be yeah. whatever, it's a good reason to have a drink. So <laughs> a good reason to have a drink earlier in the day and obviously you pair that with food and, and do it responsibly, etc. But it seems to me that that's a, that's a powerful uh, advantage for an, a venue to, to be able to, you know, have this kind of day market and then also continue that uh, on into the, uh, in the evening as, as well. Yeah, very much so. Look, we we appealed to a university market, uh, and the good thing about universities is they're like beehives. Yeah, you know, there there's one person that can tell one, you know, two people, and those two people tell four people, and it just sort of spreads from there. Gotcha. So, and and you know, our ability to be able to appeal to that university market early, yeah, you know, that are on social. Um, it just it spread really quickly, um, and you know us being around since 2013, yeah. we're experience we're experiencing people who are coming back that went to uni in our early yeah. days, and wow. said you know oh, <laughs> wow this is this is where this is where I spent my my university yeah. years. Got you. you know some people were bringing their kids, yeah, um, and it's it's sort of changing into that family venue as well, yeah, and and being more to everyone well that that's interesting point because one you know i think the business got fantastic longevity because of that nostalgia value because you do want to go back and spend time where you used to hang out in university because all those memories and those feelings and everything come back when you do you know go back to that area and go back to that place but also i think there's been this trend that i think you've done um with embargo and some of your pop-ups as well um, that they're focusing on more family-friendly venues where a number of the venues now I know have got uh, playgrounds for children, activities, all of these things. There's a bit more of this culture where um, parents can go out with their kids, which is really good because I notice for a lot of parents, it's often, you know, you have these party days when you're single and you're going out, you're very social, but then yeah. when you have children, often people become a lot more socially insulated. They have small circles that often center around their kids and who they're hanging out with. They're not often hanging out with a lot of their other existing friends because at that time, a lot of the venues weren't really catering for that. So is that a, is that a big trend in Perth and uh, abroad really as, as well? I, I think it's a big, big trend everywhere, to be honest. I, yeah. I think it's you sort of self... Um, 
when, when you open it to families or you open it to other people, it, it sort of self-regulates everything. Yeah. So if you had a, a, an area which was just for, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love going <laughs> to festivals and that sort of thing, but yeah. if, if it was open to, to more families, then the, the environment sort of self-regulates itself. That's you. Um, so there's less need for large security. There's less yeah. problems. Um, you know, there's Cheaper, there's more better, more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's more of a you know a responsible service of alcohol and, and yep. drinking of alcohol, um, and you know, mm, and like it, it just provides a it provides a better environment, uh, a more uh, a, a, a provides longevity. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And different different age groups, as you said, means there's something something for everybody there, and every you know. It's always been a family pastime to get <laughs> get around some burgers and fries and, and, and stuff like that and just have, yeah, a, bit very of much a, so. have, have a bit of a treat um, really as well. And I've noticed you've um, you've moved into uh, another venue in Fenway, is it, which is a Boston themed? Yeah, style. so that's a Boston, it's a Boston style um, American sports bar. Um, and look, it's uh, it was an Irish bar originally. But you know, knowing what we know with regards to varsity and, and yeah. the the sort of the imagery and the, the everything that we can use there, yeah. um, you know, it was a natural progression for us to go down the Boston route. Gotcha. Um, and you know, my business partners and I went to Boston and loved it. Yeah. Um, and and that Boston Irish connection, you know, allows us to to create a bit more content around that. Um, and we we sort of developed it for. Um, you know, the students or the people that had come to Varsity yep. and wanted a little bit more of a, an adult, ex, or not an adult, but a, an older older person experience. So, um, yeah, so we created that. And Subiaco, I know um, two of the other guests I've had on the podcast, Chris and uh, Raphael. Marino, I know, opening up a big uh, brew pub in Subiaco. It was an area that... Back in the day when we were talking about the big venues, that there were a couple of key big venues in Subiaco and that it was a thriving place to go out, particularly because the uh, Australian football uh, used to be there. But it seems like there's a lot of now reinvestment in what is a wonderful area close to the city. And so that was obviously um, a focus for you guys in terms of that you see that as an area um, of long-term sort of growth and development in, in, in your space. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think it ever really lost it. I mean, they obviously lost the, the oval and that sort of thing, but yeah. it, it's it's a location that's so close to the city. Um, you know, it's not as if there was a mass exodus of people living there. Yeah. You know, there was, um, you know, and there's always so much focus on Subiaco to be a hub for the whole of Perth where, yeah. you know, why can't we just be, you know, like any other venue uh, a place that services that local area. So we said, look, let's just start by servicing that local area yeah. and see if we can attract people from, from everywhere else. So, like like you did that, with Varsities. Exactly. And Varsity's always been a destination. So it's, um, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a challenge. I love it, mate. I love, uh, I love all of the brands. How can people um, connect find out more about both varsity and uh and fenway you've got uh, websites or handles which you can share yeah definitely look um we're, we're just going through the process at the moment of of creating a varsity app the, the marketing guys have awesome. been working super hard to to do that so you can find that on uh, itunes yeah. um but yeah so the the websites are um, varsity.com.au um and most of the handles are varsity au so um, and just Facebook and we're on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Varsity AU is, is the handles for most of them. Um, and or but the website varsity.com.au. Um, yeah. Fantastic, man. And then maybe just uh, just to wrap things up, what's, uh, you know, what's on the horizon? Like obviously 2020 was a, a challenging year for venues. Um, a lot of support from the government uh, has been very helpful. Um, seem to have powered powered through that with uh, with strong brand, etc. What's what's on the horizon for you guys uh, as twenty twenty ends and, and going into twenty twenty one? Well, twenty twenty, a lot of energy has been spent on obviously 
keeping afloat and and, yeah. and changing uh, on that sort of thing. But in saying that, it, it has been difficult, but it has allowed us excelled growth within the um, online market. Yeah. Um, so it's not a total loss at all. It's uh, it just sort of helped us uh, create a, a more well-rounded business. Um, so we'll just continue to, to, uh, to develop that, that side of things, um, and sort of, you know, add those systems that make life a little bit easier and make us, uh, you know, give us the opportunity to be able to, uh, run the business a little bit more effectively. So we'll just keep going in that direction. Fantastic, mate. Well, thank you, Matt, so much for being on the podcast, sharing your journey. Um, yeah, I love Love the journey you've been on. Love the what you've created so far. I'm really excited to see um, what the future holds for you. So thanks so much for being here and we'll chat again soon. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, guys and girls. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com to sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. If you're really loving the podcast, please also share it with family and friends and leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform you might be listening on. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.